Welcome to Audio Gila Case, the podcast of Whitehead Institute, unwinding the science and the people behind some of the Institute's most exciting discoveries. I'm Lisa Gerard, Director of Communications at Whitehead Institute. In this episode, I'm talking with Ian Cheeseman, member of Whitehead Institute and an Associate Professor of Biology at MIT. Ian's work is focused on understanding the kinetochore, a group of proteins that assembles at a particular position on the chromosome and is critical for proper chromosome segregation during cell division. A lack of fidelity in chromosome segregation is associated with a number of diseases, including cancer, and an understanding of kinetochore mechanics has the potential to shed new light on its drivers and treatment. So Ian, in terms of the big picture, why is cell division so important? So all of us started as one cell. Um, the number of cells in the human body is about 30 trillion. And so if you think about the number of divisions that you had to go through all along the way, one cell becomes two, two cells become four, four cells become eight, um, it's kind of astronomical the number of times they have to do this. And even in an um, adult human, um, there's about 50 billion cells dividing every day just to replenish the tissues that we have. Every single one of those, you have to take all 46 different chromosomes, 23 from your mom, 23 from your dad, and make sure that every new cell that is made gets the entire set. Um, so even actually small deviations from that normal number of 46 can be a huge challenge. So um, one chromosome too many or one chromosome too few can kill that cell. Uh, it can make it work not as well. So what actually needs to happen during mitosis? Um, as mitosis begins, you, you take this long linear stretches of DNA and you compact it up into pieces that are actually something that you can move and distribute. And then you have to have a physical apparatus which able, is able to capture them and move them around. And that is a structure called the mitotic spindle. So that's made of microtubule polymers um, that are long rods capable of growing and shrinking. And so they can essentially like you're casting a um, fishing line out and it's this process of essentially having a long rod that can extend and shrink back again so until it finds the chromosomes and then once it's captured them that growth and shrinkage can help facilitate its ability to move within a cell. Um, the goal of our lab is is to take all of this beautiful imaging and microscopy that has been done using light microscopy from the earliest days through to electromicroscopy to really probe more deeply into the cell and say, okay, how, how do you assemble a protein machinery that's capable of doing these things? That division after division is capable of, of physically capturing the DNA, distributing it, and then doing it with such a low rate of error as to not be a, a, a problem and allow our bodies to develop and continue to function. So what was your starting point when you began looking at kinetochore biology? When I started grad school, so I started in 1997, and at that point it was assumed that the kinetochore was going to be not that much more complex than a simplified system like the one that exists in bacteria. So it was assum assumed that basically there would be maybe about a dozen proteins. So you know, how many do you actually need? Because you really only need these three activities, bind to DNA, bind to microtubules, hold everything together. So 
this idea that it was a simple structure um, persisted for a while, um, but a lot of the work that I did as a grad student and as a postdoc in the first few years of, of our lab here at Whitehead um, was to try to find the players that are involved in this. Okay? It didn't stop at 10 or 20 or 50. Now there's probably about 110, 120 different human kinetochore proteins, right? So we still know that you have to have these three activities, DNA binding, microtuba binding, holding it together. But the large number of players involved made it clear that there's a lot of the things that the cell is doing to get this right, to be able to physically achieve it and to do it with really high fidelity. Um, and I think that a lot of the goal that our lab has had is to understand um, what are the factors that are responsible for those different processes. Okay. So it sounds like the kinetochore has turned out to be a pretty intricate complex. What I like about the structure is that actually at both ends of that interface, it's a lot more complicated than we might have anticipated when you first looked at it. And it has to bind tightly and stably to DNA, but in most organisms, including in, in our cells, um, that site is not defined by specific DNA sequences. And so there really has to be a protein mark that persists at that site forever. Okay, so the protein mark in, in my cells was the same as in my mom's cells and you know her parents before her. And, and on the microtubule side, you have to bind to this polymer. You need to be able to bind to this, this rod. But that rod is constantly growing and shrinking. And so it's kind of like you are trying to drive down a highway where someone is ripping that out from under you as you're going along. And so the kinetochore needs to build a machinery which is able to hold on to this constantly changing polymer. And in particular, actually get force from that. Okay, so it's not these molecular motors that are responsible for this beautiful movement that we see as a chromosomes align and, and segregate. Um, and instead, actually, it ends up being that the major motor, the major thing that's giving force to move a chromosome, is that growth and shrinkage of a microtubule polymer. So how do you become interested in the kinetochore? I, I really like protein um, machineries, right? So I think b before I even realized that the kinetochore existed, um, what I first found fell in love with in science was the physical players that have to do stuff, like the, the things in cells that need, where you have protein assemblies that build up to actually achieve something, okay? Move something or do something or um, accomplish something for the cell. So I really like the protein machineries and then I really like how they're precisely controlled. So the kinetochore, I think, is by far the best example. So one of my favorite features of the kinetochore is just how dynamic it is. So the kinetochore is a machine that has those 110, 120 proteins, um, but exists in that form for only really a narrow window. Okay, so in a human cell growing in culture, it takes about 24 hours for that cell to divide. So to from, go from one cell to two takes about 24 hours. Most of that time is about it growing, about it replicating its DNA. So DNA replication might take about eight hours, for example. You've got to copy that genetic material first. It can take a while. The actual process of mitosis, where you're dividing and segregating your chromosomes, takes less than an hour. Okay, So it's a pretty small portion of the whole cell cycle from, um, from one cell to two cells. You have about a five to 10 minute window to go from having none of the proteins there to having it 
fully assembled for mitosis. And then the thing that's kind of crazy about it is actually even while you're beginning this process of segregation to the two new cells in anaphase, um, you're stripping away this kinetochore. So you have a window of about 10 to 15 minutes where you have to disassemble the kinetochore again to get back to that original interface state, okay? So actually even while you're still holding onto the chromosomes and segregating, um, you're starting to take away the bricks and that build up that machine. So it seems like a lot really depends on the kinetochore properly functioning or things can go terribly wrong. I mean, I think it's still fascinating that, um, that we exist, right? You think about like all of the things that could have gone wrong to go from w w the one cell that we started with to who we are today. And you know, the more you learn about how intricate and beautiful the biology is, the more you realize um, how, how often it could have gone wrong in, in different ways. And, and that certainly does happen. I think that the nice thing about the machines that exist is that they have been well optimized to work well, right? That you, ha that you have the physical things in place to segregate the chromosomes and you have a, a lot of players that come in and add robustness, add security to that. And then you have the regulatory components so that if there is a problem, um, you can recognize that and correct it, okay? Um, Chromosomes do missegregate, and I think that often that will end up in um, that cell dying. And we have enough cells that we can tolerate some amount of that and um, get away with that okay. Um, but chromosome missegregation is, is certainly uh, um, can have catastrophic consequences, right? So chromosome segregation during meiosis, the process why, by which you're making sperm and egg, um, can result in an individual who has a uh, um, misbalance in chromosome from the beginning. And, and so Down syndrome, for example, is um, incorrect numbers of chromosome 21, and that can have developmental consequences. Um, that is a big effect for an organism, but actually, in some level, kind of a small change overall. A single chromosome missegregating, one extra copy of that. Um, and it, it's basically the only chromosome that can be tolerated that way on an organismal level. Chromosome segregation in, in a person is, is probably also happening periodically and actually is, is something that you frequently see in cancers. So most solid tumors, if you were to go in and just count their chromosomes, um, you would probably see a number that ranges between 50 and 90. And there's a lot of thought that this um, incorrect chromosome numbers, which is also called aneuploidy, is something that is driving um, the formation of a cancer. The more you're learning about mitosis, what are the big questions that are emerging for you? For the longest time, I thought about cell division as being always the same, that every time a cell needs to divide, it has the same challenges, it has the same requirements, it has the same processes. But I think increasingly we're seeing examples where, where that's not the case. And you know, if you imagine and, and step back and think about the different um, challenges that cells face, so meiosis as a division to make the sperm and an egg um, is a, has two very different division processes. One looks a little bit like mitosis and one is a reductional division. You're reducing the, um, uh, the DNA. 
that division is very different, has different requirements. And so how do you take this machine and adapt it to those circumstances? You know, and how do you um, think about the divisions that are, are happening early in, in the embryo versus the ones that are happening in the tissues? And how do you think about um, enabling the cells that have to hang out in your body for years and decades to um, facilitate um, uh, different cell division uh, events and processes. And so I, I really am, am enamored with this, this idea of rewiring. You've got a machine, how do you rewire it under these different circumstances? That was Ian Cheeseman, a member of Whitehead Institute and an associate professor of biology at MIT. You can learn more about Whitehead science on our website at wi.mit.edu. And you can listen to other Audio Helicase episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. For Whitehead Institute, I'm Lisa Gerard. Thanks for listening.